0: The chair recognizes Ms. Ocasio-Cortez of New York for five minutes.
1: Thank you, chair. So, um, let's play a game. Let's play a lightning round game. I'm going to be the bad guy, which I'm sure half the room would agree with anyway, and um, and I want to get away with as much bad things as possible, ideally to enrich myself and advance my interest, even if that means putting it. Uh, putting my interests ahead of the American people. So, uh, Mrs. Hobart Flynn, oh, and by the way, I have enlisted all of you as my co-conspirators, so you're gonna help me legally get away with all of this. So, Mrs. Hobart Flynn, I want to run. If I wanna run a campaign that is entirely funded by corporate political action committees, is that is there anything that legally prevents me from doing that? No. Okay, so there's nothing stopping me from being entirely funded by a corporate PAC, say from the fossil fuel industry, the healthcare industry, Big Pharma. I'm entirely 100% lobbyist PAC uh, funded. Okay, so let's say I'm a really, really bad guy. And let's say I have some skeletons in my closet that I need to cover up so that I can get elected. Um, Mr. Smith, is it true that you wrote this article, this opinion piece for the Washington Post? entitled, These Payments to Women Were Unseemly, That Doesn't Mean They Were Illegal.
2: Well, I can't see the piece, but I wrote a piece under that headline in the post, so I assume that's right.
1: Okay, great. So, green light for hush money. I can do all sorts of terrible things. It's totally legal right now for me to pay people off, and that is considered speech. That money is considered speech. So, I use my special interest, dark money-funded campaign to pay off folks that I need to pay off and get elected. So, now I'm a and I'm in, I've got the power to draft, lobby, and shape the laws that govern the United States of America. Fabulous. Now, is there any hard limit that I have? Perhaps, uh, Mrs. Hobart-Flynn, is there any hard limit that I have in terms of what legislation I'm allowed to touch? Are there any limits on the laws that I can write or influence? Especially if I'm uh, based on the uh, special interest funds that I accepted to finance my campaign and get me elected in the first place. There's no limit. So there's none. So I can be totally funded by oil and gas. I can be totally funded by Big Pharma. Come in, write Big Pharma laws, and there's no limits to that whatsoever. That's right. Okay. So, awesome. Now, uh, now, Mr. Mirabani the last thing I want to do is get rich with as little work possible. That's really what I'm trying trying to do as a bad guy, right? So is there anything preventing me from holding stocks, say, in an oil or gas company, and then writing laws to deregulate the, that industry and cause, you know, that could potentially cause the stock value to soar and accrue a lot of money in that time?
2: You could do that.
1: So I could do that. I could do that now with the way our current laws are, are set up. Yes? Yes. Okay, great. Okay, so my last question is, or one of my last questions I guess I'd say, is, is it possible that any elements of this story apply to our current government and our current public servants right now? Yes. Yes. So we have a system that is fundamentally broken. We have these influences existing in this body, which means that these influences are here in this committee shaping the questions that are being asked of you all right now. Would you say that that's correct, Mr. Marabani? Or Mr. Schaub? Yes. All right, so one last thing, uh, Mr. Schaub. In relation to congressional oversight that we have, the limits that are placed on me as a Congresswoman, compared to the executive branch and compared to, say, the President of the United States, Would you say that Congress has the same sort of standard of accountability? Are there—is there more teeth in that regulation in Congress on the president, or would you say it's about even, or more so on the federal?
2: Um, In terms of laws that apply to the president, Mm -hmm. yeah, there's just almost no laws at all that apply to the president.
1: So I'm being held, and every person in this body is being held to a higher ethical standard than the president of the United States.
2: That's right, because there are some committee, uh, ethics committee rules that apply to you.
1: And it's already super legal, as we've seen, for me to be a pretty bad guy. So it's even easier for the president of the United States to be one, I would assume. That's right. Thank you very much.
2: Welcome to State of the Revolution, the Michigan Progressive podcast. I'm Benjamin Klon. Zachary exactly Reitner. I'm Ross Fisher. I'm
3: Melina Brand, And I'm Allie Gonzalez.
2: As we tape this, it is Friday, February 8th. Thank you for listening. You can find us on Facebook at Michigan Progressive, and you can help support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Michigan Progressive. Uh, This show is listener-supported. We don't have or seek out corporate advertisers, and it's been a couple months since we got our last check from Soros, so your contribution to this project is greatly appreciated. Uh, We've got a lot to talk about this week, um, starting with a local story. Uh, A few days ago, or like earlier this week, the Detroit police uh, wiped out two makeshift camping spots for homeless people, leaving them shivering and without their belongings or a dry place to sleep, as reported by the Detroit Metro Times. Uh, The police seized sleeping bags, tents, coats, hats, shoes, gloves, and anything else found in the underground area of Hart Plaza and underneath an overpass by Joe Louis Arena on Tuesday. For decades, the makeshift camps have been popular for homeless people in a city that does not have enough shelters. So that's all pretty fucked up. Yeah, failings on so many levels there. <sighs> like, I mean,
4: th- I mean, first of all, like it, it, it's Detroit. There are there are so many things that police officers should be doing, and destroying like makeshift camps for homeless people is definitely not on that list. Uh,
3: yeah, it makes you wonder if they're only doing it because people are considering it to be some sort of an eyesore. Mm-hmm. So they're doing those like preventative measures so that they can. I don't know, try to move it even further underground where people who are, you know, going there for these really cool, trendy restaurants, they're not seeing the reality of Detroit's economy. Yeah, it's not that. It's not flourishing for everybody.
4: So. Yeah, mm-hmm. like another byproduct of, like, gentrification. Yeah, yeah exactly. We have, like, we can't, we can't have, like, these nice restaurants. We also have homeless people sitting outside of them. It just ruins their lunch. You know? Yeah, what are
3: these people from Royal Bloomfield Hills going to think? <laughs>
4: yeah, they can't yeah. eat. They can't possibly eat. Uh, while well, <laughs> while so. people are starving. They know just not look at it. I mean, they're okay
3: with it as long as
0: they have to look at it. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's a good point. I think it's important to look at the motivations for this type of action. And clearly, like this is not on behalf of the homeless community or to help the homeless community, which is what policy uh, makers and those um, who implement it should be doing. It was done for other people who don't like the uh, homeless population in Detroit.
2: Yeah, the, uh, well, the Detroit city officials apparently said that the areas were unsanitary, attracted rats, and were the focus, were the focus of an effort to move homeless people into more permanent housing. Um. But obviously, they don't—they don't, they don't give a fuck about you know what the homeless people are doing, as long as they're not in the way, as long as they're not making the city look bad. In fact, back in uh, twenty thirteen, the ACLU alleged that the Detroit police were abducting homeless people and dropping them off miles away, oftentimes outside the city.
3: It's like just, it's really disgusting, and it makes me wonder. When there were, I'm sure, multitudes of homeless people who were out during the polar vortex that the Midwest just faced, were the police helping any of these people? You know what I mean? Like, they're destroying the homes now, even though it is still freezing Mm. in Michigan currently. So it's like, um, what measures were they doing to actually help the homeless people? in Michigan, during this really, really frigid winter.
4: I know they've gotten double-digit deaths in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. So, I mean... It, and, and, you know, it begs the question, like, you know, the, the one of the people I uh, interviewed, uh, Howard, in here, like, he's, like, you know, breaking down in tears because he has, like, nowhere to go. And, you know, like, these cops protect and serve is, like, the motto. And it's like, who are you protecting and serving? Because you're not yeah. protecting Howard. You're not serving Howard. Like... And he's every bit a citizen as any of us, so, like...
3: Yeah, and it blows my mind that there aren't enough homeless shelters in Detroit for people to go to, and I'm sure that there's there's some circumstances that, like, we haven't taken into account. Like, I'm sure that there are homeless people who are felons, like, ex-felons, and they... It's possible that they're being turned away because of that fact, Hmm. so there's just people who are out there, and they have nowhere else to go because of these, you know, charges from, you know, it could be... Uh, personally, I don't care. It could be from two years ago or twenty or thirty years ago, but they should still be able to yeah, I think find humanity, food. Yeah, yeah, humanity
4: kind of trumps that, in my opinion. Like we, uh, I hate that word now. <laughs> 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 but uh, yeah, like I mean, that should be like you know definitely humanity should be above um, you know any convictions
2: of past doings. Like you're still human, no matter. Like we all make mistakes.
3: Right. Yeah. It's just cruel and unusual, like punishment, basically. Mm.
2: Yeah. I saw a tweet last week uh, that said something like, for every homeless person that dies in this in this polar vortex, we should execute a, a wealthy landlord.
3: Yeah, <laughs> we can start with the guy that has all the Trump stuff in his window here in Lansing. <laughs> I don't know if he's necessarily wealthy, but I would just like to, uh, I'd like to see him He's
4: a slumlord. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh! Yikes! And yeah, there definitely shouldn't be more
2: empty housing than homeless people. I like, I mean, the failings of capitalism, blatant, right? There. Yeah. Yeah, we have we have definitely have more than enough empty houses in this country to house every homeless person mm-hmm. that there is. I mean, you look at some of the areas where
4: like homelessness is like on the decline, which is like weird. Like, you look at like a Utah, for instance, is like one of the um like, better places for like a, like a tackling homelessness. Um, and their priority is, is just houses first. Like, it doesn't matter what you're talking about, like, you know, your criminal record and then uh, that. It doesn't matter your criminal record. It doesn't matter if you're addicted to, like, drugs or, like, if you have alcohol problems at the time. Like, none of that matters. It's about getting them into the home first. And we'll address the other stuff later. But, like, until you get them in the home in a comfortable situation where they're not constantly, like, you know, and rough living, like, on the streets is, is, it's hard to cope with.
3: Yeah, and it's just going to keep furthering that cycle that people are already in when you're living on the street. You just keep going back into crime. Mm-hmm. And think about all the things that you need to address
5: for, like when you're applying for a job, you need to write down an address, state an ID, you have to write down an address, it's just like these accumulations of things that you need based on.
2: Yeah, according to level. the report from the from the Detroit Metro Times, uh, one of the homeless people uh that they talked to the police took his wallet and id yeah
4: that was that the howard uh individual yeah they, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 but i mean yeah they totally took his wallet ID, and like you know.
3: it's just they're just antagonizing these
4: people mm-hmm.
3: there's no reason for them to have done this it's just almost just to like make an impact to be like look at what we can do you guys are helpless and you're vulnerable and no one is going to protect and serve you yeah
2: mm-hmm. another another instance of uh of our governments not only failing to uh to protect and care for the most vulnerable among us but actively uh further destroying their lives
3: mm-hmm. agreed
2: so in uh another story of the failure of uh, of uh, government officials uh it seems to me like it's time to give virginia back to the <laughs> royal clown <laughs> um maybe like expel them from the union um I'm sure you guys have heard about this just absolute shit show that's going on in Virginia. Uh, Last week, um, the governor of Virginia uh, came under fire for having a photo be, a photo was recently uncovered of him apparently in blackface. Well, it's it's a photo from his med school yearbook in the 80s where uh, one person is wearing blackface, and there's another person in a clan robe next to him, and one of those people is supposedly him.
4: Yeah, I wonder if he did, like, some kind of, like, polling, like, before. Like, hey, um, which one's worse? <laughs> 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 oh, blackface? Okay, that was that was me. Oh, wait, actually, you know what? Oh, that wasn't
3: me. I know, in Virginia, that's a toss-up. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I so. yeah. <laughs> I know, I feel like even as Virginia has grown more, like, socially
5: liberal, there's still, like, all this racist history. I uh, mean, they have, like, Robert E. Lee statues next to, exactly. like... Yeah. Yeah. Just,
0: oh, I can't. And, the, I mean, the the Dems in Virginia were super excited because of all the gains they've made in the state legislature and they had to you into know, the governorship and now this is potentially just going to unravel all of this for them. But, I mean, I don't know. I mean, if you're going to throw out people, I mean, if they're, you know, if you're gonna get rid of people, the Dems who are wearing blackface, they're gonna just be replaced by Republicans who probably still wear blackface to parties. Right. Uh, so you know, it's um, it's not really a it's not really a good well, path
4: you, out of this of thing. Yeah. If you look at the lineup currently, like um, we was taught, you know, you have the Governor Northam who uh, the yearbook blackface thing. You have the uh, Lieutenant Governor Justin Fairfax who now has. Um, two
2: women accusing him of sexual assault. Yeah,
5: um,
2: and then you have the attorney general, who is in third of line for <laughs> the succession, who just outright admitted, "Oh yeah, that's a thing that I did too." Yeah, we do. Yeah, of course. The, the 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 blackface, not the sexual assault. Um, but maybe. But maybe you never know. Yeah, I <laughs> don't know. Yeah, I I mean I found it pretty surprising that he just like outright admitted it without any prompting. Yeah.
3: What? Why? <laughs> I guess oh, I had read that there were. Rumors like going around that there was a picture that existed of him also in blackface, mm-hmm. and basically, I think that he felt his hands were tied, and he was like, "I admit, I did it too." He, to just, out like, of him, he right? jumped the it <laughs> like it was going to make it better, like I also <laughs> participated in racism, and we were supposed to be like, "Oh, okay." I mean, he was honest. <laughs> I was yeah. It's okay. Yeah. yeah, it'll be interesting to see how uh, Virginian um, Democrats move forward after this um, because they can either delve further into racism and just kind of like lean into um, the racism that's obviously like really bad in Virginia as if anyone was fucking surprised but it'll be interesting to see if they're just like these are smears and there are people who are being you know paid to take down these uh, these Democrats this is like like the Al Franken yeah this is like a this is just like a conspiracy Mm. uh, against them instead of just being like yeah maybe racism is more prevalent on the left than we had considered previously, and um, we should look into that, and we're gonna start, you know, vetting people a little more, you know, Are Virginia
2: Democrats really the left, though? No. You know, but they're, <laughs> they're,
3: they're, they're Hair, and they're saying that
4: they're blue. Um, and I mean they're getting ninety percent plus of the black vote. They better damn well represent black vote. Right? Yeah, yeah. I get that. Like they're not the left, and like I, you know, you don't have to be like a democratic socialist, but. Like, it's twenty nineteen. Let's get to the point where we can just have like non racist democrats. Like yeah. that's a low bar.
3: It's not like Virginia is like still like the deep south like it was in like the eighteen hundreds. It's just like we have no
4: factories here. It's
3: like they have internet in Virginia as well. These people have no excuse to still be as like, you know, socially like illiterate as they are. And as they you know, they're 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 putting these people in power, you mm-hmm. know, and yeah. Well
4: I am I'm, I'm glad I think one thing that like I guess I guess still silver lining of this is I think like um there's been a broader conversation started about like uh the fact that, you know, sometimes it takes like this blatant like blackface racism like for like Democrats to understand it. But like I mean if you look at Northam's record, there was a lot of like structural racism like integrated in that campaign. He um said that like if a sanctuary city ever popped up in his uh, state, He would. He would outright ban it. Like he would mm. abolish it. Um, like in 2013, he had like a debate, and his opponent was a black man. Like he didn't shake his hand. Like refused to shake his hand. again Like uh, during his campaign, he took Justin Fairfax, his black lieutenant governor, off of his literature when he was like campaigning. So I mean, there's hmm. like things like. I mean, it's not like oh wow, he's a racist. Like I mean, if you're not looking at these structural things too, right? Like, it shouldn't take blatant blackface to be like this guy's a
2: racist yeah um, and i think one silver lining to this and i know i'm being really fucking partisan here but this is also a pretty nice vindication for bernie sanders who yeah. <laughs> came under a lot of fire uh, when when Northam was running for not backing his campaign. Because, you know, Bernie knew because of those things, oh, this guy's a fucking racist. I don't want to support him. And all the Dems hated him for it. And, and,
3: they, and they did even recently when um, the buzz started coming off, like, is Bernie Sanders going to run again? And people... They still were just like angry about this. They were like, mm. "Fuck no, man!" Like he didn't back Northam, and I mean, just like <laughs> I mean, within weeks of these <laughs> of these people like bringing up this old shit, and it was just like, "Oh, Blackface." It was like, hmm, mm. like maybe we should trust his his intuition. You know, Bernie Sanders has very few times like you know let us stray or
2: you oh. know done something that we mm. haven't agreed
3: with. We should trust that.
2: Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I I could be wrong because I haven't looked into this, but. As far as I know, he's had the decency to not say, I fucking told you so. <laughs>
3: yeah. <laughs> and yeah, but what's really what's really scary is honestly Justin um Justin Fairfax's these allegations. Um which isn't to say that, you know, one sin like trumps the other. I think it's very important that both we'll all well, you know, all three of them are talked about, but two of those cases are racism, um, and that were, you know, from like what we could what we would call like a long time ago. Like these are allegations that are coming out from people's college days, and we already know because of Brett Kavanaugh and all that people are very quick to forgive people for things that they did when they were in their fucking mid-twenties. Um, but Justin Fairfax's allegations are, like, a, a lot more heinous. Um, and I know that it wasn't just a sexual assault. There was a woman who came out and said that sh- um, he had sexually assaulted her um, through, like, conversion uh, oh, sorry, coercion um, to—he she, forced her to commit this sexual act. But there was also another woman who just came out and said that he— just, he raped her uh, mm-hmm. when when they were together at Duke. Um, I think it was Duke University that he went to. So it'll be really interesting now to see how the state of Virginia, who, you know, were just, they were so proudly toting, like they had these, this uh, blue government, how they'll actually... Deal with these things that we've always attributed to Republicans. How are you actually going to deal with people that you trusted and that you elected being accused of sexual assault and of rape? And um, you know, how are you going to deal with these people in blackface who are, you know, racist? It'll be interesting to see what Virginia well, does.
4: And the, the the crazy thing is, is that it actually skips the top Republican. Um, his name's Tommy Norman. Uh, he leads the uh, Senate. Uh, he also as a black-faced minority. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. It's like an
3: old pastime. It's a Virginia pastime. Yeah, okay, awesome. so I was like doing
5: research on this and I found the whole list of people who have done it, like on TV. Jimmy Kimmel, Jimmy Fallon, yeah. Sarah Silverman, Joy Bear, whatever her name is, and like even Shirley Temple when she was a child did it, like
3: are we gonna, like, start holding all of these people accountable, or? Yes. I don't know about Shirley Temple. <laughs> like, is she even alive still? Is Shirley Temple no, dead? Think, no, is Shirley the, Temple dead? Old. I mean, like, yeah. Like, we should we should definitely <laughs> talk about that Shirley Temple did black things, but also, was she, like, six years old when she did yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. You know, there's, like, those, like, different okay, types so of her parents. Yeah, her parents <laughs> are pieces
2: of fucking shit. Well, oh, hey, man. M- Mickey Mouse is still around, and he did blackface. And he oh, was oh. an
3: anti-Semite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Mickey Mouse supported
2: Hitler. It's true. <laughs> Thanks.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, yeah, there's yeah. a lot of people. Um, who was the other big one? Ted Danson also did um Blackface. and I'm pretty sure he was fucking whoopie when he did that shit.
4: Um, oh, God. And yeah. so,
3: <laughs> you know, it'll be interesting to see, because there are a lot of, um, like, centrist or just left of center um, African Americans in the United States who are willing to just be like, come on, man, like, it's not that big of a deal. It happened so long ago. Like, are we going to really sacrifice the progress that We've made to talk about these things that these people did when they were 45 years old. They were children, you know. Like there are <laughs> people who are going to do that, and I think it's just it's up to us mm-hmm. to just like hold people accountable. We're like, no, this shit isn't okay. Like none of you have done black days.
4: Yeah, I think it crosses know? a different line when you're like uh, looking for elected like, office. Yeah, I think that's like yeah. Yeah. a big like um, difference. Like I mean, you know, like are we going to like punish these people and like throw them in jail and like you know because they did this? Like no, but like it, it's it kind of goes back like the Cavanaugh thing. It was like this idea that like if we don't like put him on the Supreme Court, that we're somehow punishing him. But it's like he goes back to his like normal life and does what he does. He's like not going to jail. He's not like facing any like crimes just because you're not rewarded. You know, doesn't
2: mean that you're not being like you're not being necessarily being punished either you yeah, know yeah i think i mean it definitely illuminates like this sense of entitlement mm. that yes. he has, yes. you know, people have for him like you know this is something that he he's entitled to he deserves it and yeah by not putting him on the supreme court we'd be punishing him he or worked not, hard, he
5: worked hard
4: for us. Not
2: allowed. Northam to stay in the, you know, governor's...
4: And right, I read sure.
5: a conservative article just to get their point of view on it, and they were like, I think it comes down to intent. Like, people who did oh, blackface back in the day, like, were intended to be racist, but dressing up as Michael Jackson is not intending to be racist. So I was like, I don't know about that. Yeah, yeah well, because like,
4: uh, yeah, like... Yeah, it like, it North Northam that... <laughs> God, that was almost a gem, but yeah, because Northam was asked, like, you know, he was talking about his different one, and he said he was doing Michael Jackson. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> He's like, yeah, I do my jacket. and Jackson, do like the moonwalk, and like a reporter asked him, like, can you still do the moonwalk? And like he almost did it, and his wife's like, no, no, like stop, like no. It's like,
3: amazing though, because like you know damn well if that nigga had been able to moonwalk. The reporter would have been like, kudos to you, man. We'll throw this out. We really don't even care anymore. And the headline would have just been like, North of moonwalks across the stage and into our hearts, and like that would have been the fucking end of it. That yeah, would be the end right. of it.
4: Moonwalks away from racism. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's that's, that's yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then uh, you know you look at another point, and you're doing Michael Jackson when he does Moonwalk. Like, do ja- no. you need to
3: be
5: blackface? No, you want to black blackface.
4: Like, yeah, you just want to be
3: racist. Michael Jackson wasn't even black his whole life. You <laughs> 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 the wing and one glove, and you still
2: want to look like Michael Jackson. Yeah, you get the moonwalk, too. Like. <laughs> yeah,
3: white Michael could do the moonwalk, it doesn't
2: no It's not like he lost his powers.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh, shit. Well, you know, uh, switching away for a moment from shitty Democrats to uh, awesome Democrats, uh, AOC, uh, during a hearing held by the House Oversight and Reform Committee uh, strengthening ethics rules, ethics rules for the executive branch. Um, did a lightning round with uh with the people in the hearing asking them questions about, you know, if I were uh if I were a bad guy, what would I what would I be allowed to get a, get away with? And I think uh this is the cold open for the show, so uh people who are listening this far uh will have already heard this. But it was just it was amazing to see. Like this she really is for the people, you know, she, she is doing what her con- her constituents sent her in to do, which is to shine a light on all the corrupt bullshit and how, uh, how fucked up this system
4: is. Yeah, and there was, like, no way for those people to refute it, and they knew it, and, like, they just got, like, these shitting ingredients on their face, like, ah, uh, you're talking about me, are you? And it was funny, because, uh, <laughs> like, the guy that gave, like, the most sarcastic, like, response at the end, like... He actually is involved with um like a think tank slash like pack and like they're um they're like really behind uh money in pol like getting money in politics, like expanding uh-huh. Citizens United and making sure that Dark money exists. So like he has like a vested interest in this and like she's just targeting him and he's just like, Oh god. We're
3: going to lose. <laughs> <laughs> and, and rightfully so. And I think that it's amazing because, yeah, she has gone in and she's doing exactly, like you said, what her constituents are asking her to do. And it's not just that she's, like, calling these people out in these, you know, congressional hearings and, you know, but it's that she's also doing it in a way so that her constituents are now informed about it. Because I'm sure that there are people that she's representing who had no idea that people were doing these sorts of things, or who didn't know just how, you know, tangled and messy it can really be. So she puts, she not only held them accountable for these actions but she's showing the american public and her constituents like this is happening it's been happening for a really long time so how about we sit these people down and make them admit it and it's really important we all know this now because of you know videos that are being shared on on facebook she took
5: this really tangled messy thing that no one really understands and Mm -hmm. put it into like a three-minute video and we're like oh yep That's what it is. Yeah, that yeah.
2: that was the best part because, like, you know, campaign finance law is like it's just really it's unsexy. And to like people who don't follow like politics and government closely, it can be hard to kind of like relate these concepts to them. Um, but she just did it in like the most succinct and like well understood way
0: mm-hmm. um,
2: that I've seen her in a long time.
3: Yeah,
2: I, I like that she did it
0: in sort of a narrative way where she sort mm-hmm. of had kind of created the story before she even started asking the questions. Which I mean, at some members try to do that, but not nearly as successfully as she was able to, like, weave in all of these, they almost treated them like they were characters in a story, yeah. and they really couldn't avoid um, their role in, in this <laughs>
5: story <Yeah>. corruption. was <laughs>
0: like
2: <an> unwilling <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. It was probably yeah. the most delicious part of it all. <laughs> is that yes. these people yeah. didn't have a single choice. Because, yeah. like, she didn't give them any open-ended questions, it was just, yes or no. <laughs> mm-hmm.
5: yeah I try not to put too much pressure on her as being like the, the face of like the progressive values and what we love, but God damn it, I love her, yeah That's yeah. she she why so like she's taking
0: that mans so you know like she's having... i mean i I everything she's done so far has like gone above and down what I thought she was gonna be doing in this first initial season. I, mean, I thought mm-hmm. she was gonna be influential. I thought that she was gonna, you know, be garnering a lot of attention, but to this degree, now I did not think she was gonna be, you know, this at this level already. I yeah. mean it's if she continues at this pace, it's only gonna be it's only it's gonna be Scale up faster. Yeah, I
2: mean, she's basically everything I was hoping that she was going to be, mm-hmm. and more honestly, yeah, I more actually, sh- she's she's exceeded my
4: expectations, which is mm-hmm. something that I haven't been able to say about politician. Yeah, yeah, seriously. <laughs>
3: yeah, and it's it's really it's hopeful. Like it makes people hopeful that there are other AOCs that are out there that mm-hmm. are looking at her and they're saying, "I can do that too." And not just you know like young women in high school or young Latinos in you know high school, but like also like there are people that didn't finish school, who are going to be like, I can do this. I'm passionate about this. And if she can do it, I can do it as well. They're going to go back to school, and, you know, it might not be to the same degree that she's doing it at, but they're going to get involved. And it's it's really important that we have someone like her mm-hmm. to, to, yeah, like take up that mantle, like yeah. one of you said. But
2: she's, she's she's a part of, like, the first like wave of, like, new progressive politicians that was inspired by Bernie Sanders 2016 campaign Mm -hmm. you know I mean it's not as big as I think we would like it to be but it is the first wave you know yeah no and it's not big but the the like you know Rashida Tlaib
4: uh Ilhan Omar uh Presley AOC like they may not be um big force but they are a very loud force i mean they the way yes. that they've been able to just completely dominate the media cycle in yeah. a way that like i mean like it used to be like i'm oh i hated it it was like probably about a year and a half ago if you turned on the news the only thing you ever heard about was trump yeah now you turn on the news and hey let's see like you're gonna hear about like green new deal you're gonna go medicare for all you're yeah. about like we are like they and we are a you know, collective movement, but we are changing the conversation. We are, we are moving it forward.
3: And we got people scared. I mean, she's got a lot of people scared. Not just those people who were, you know, coming under fire. They were being interrogated. But like Ben Shapiro, you know what I mean? Like Alex Jones, like these people are terrified of her. And you can tell that just by her having won this, they can feel that and maybe not even that the tide is turning, just that maybe the tide was never really turning in, you know, their favor. And it's in their face now, every day, and it's writing laws. And it's not just, like, tweeting these snarky remarks. Like, I mean, she's tweeting snarky remarks, but she's also, you know what I mean, mm. she's in these hearings. She's mm. calling the shots, and that's something that they can't say.
0: I saw that her her first um, floor speech on C-SPAN, broke the record for for views of a of a C-SPAN, I mean, like C-SPAN floor speech, um, which is insane. I mean, it was just it was just like a, her first one. It wasn't, I mean, it was a good speech. It wasn't anything extraordinary. But it just shows people are tuned in to what she's saying. Um, and it, if she can, yeah, if she can continue to get a ton of people to watch the C-SPAN hearings, that's that's an accomplishment in and of itself. Yeah. Yeah. Because, that's tough. It's
3: boring.
5: <laughs> that shit can be really boring
3: and yeah, bad to get there. Exactly. Not yeah. everything, like you said, not everything is sexy that they're going to be talking about. You know. Mm-hmm.
4: No, but I think the, the the ability for like the progressives to, like you said, like earlier, like bridge the gap between like complex policy and just like everyday working people and be able to explain that to them. You know, like, you know Bernie Sanders did that in a way with his campaign, explaining some of these things, and like AOC is doing it. And uh, I think that comes from the fact that like. I mean, both of these individuals, like, are extremely smart, but they also, like, do, like, understand the working class background. So, like, they understand, like, you know, you don't have time to necessarily go into nitty gritty. You just need to explain, like, why this is bad for them and, like, or why it's good for them and, like, kind of, you know, make it connected on their level. You, like, you don't need necessarily... Like, you know, sometimes, like, some Democrats try to go and be too much of, like, technocrats and they try yeah. to, like, you know, get into the nitty-gritty, which is nice on the back end. You need that in the closed rooms, but when you're talking to the people, you need to be able to connect with them.
3: Yeah, I agree. I think it's interesting because so many people are trying to, um, kind of diminish, Her character, and they're doing it in a really interesting way because they're trying to portray her as not as Latina as she is, not as Bronx, not as like poor as she is. And it's really interesting because it's like
2: you're wearing nice shoes. Yeah, that's not those aren't the shoes of someone who struggles. Look,
3: this bitch is eating not just one meal of ramen noodles a day, and it's like (laughs) it's
2: like
3: the kind of like the opposite of a smear campaign. It's like she's not even worthy of being smeared like the rest of you. and it's like really interesting because I think that if they can take away her like you know you know quote, quote, like credibility um as a just like you know a girl from the Bronx if they can take that away from her the other girls in the Bronx are gonna be like no it's like this is bougie girl like she's she didn't actually live here she didn't grow up on these streets and stuff like that and they're trying to do this so that she doesn't keep inspiring more future, you know, AOCs. And, and, you know, so it's really interesting when you see people doing that, like, She went by Sandy back in the day. Like, okay, first of all, (laughs) my name is also Alexandria, and I didn't go by Alexandria during school. I didn't go by Alexandria at school either. Like, a lot of my friends know me as Allie, or they know me as Andy. Like, was my nickname supposed to be Consuela? Like, I don't understand. (laughs) It's really interesting. If you see people doing that, they're just trying to discredit her because they know that minorities are looking at that, and they're shook. Because they know in a few more years, we're going to be the, my, the majority.
4: Oh yeah.
2: We're no yeah,
3: longer yeah. going to be the minority. And if she keeps, if we keep getting these results like her, if we keep getting, you know, going to college and, you know, the dropout rates keep dropping, you know, it was 34% in the 90s, um, the dropout rate for Latinos, and now it's 10%. If it keeps going down like that, it's going to be the for real, like, winds of change in this bitch. And people are real scared about that. You can tell.
2: hmm. Absolutely. So um, switching back to, uh, to Democrats who suck, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, just um, earlier this week, one of uh, Nancy Pelosi's top aides had a private meeting with uh, executives from Blue Cross Blue Shield, the uh, uh, health insurance company, and told them not to worry about Democrats pushing for Medicare for all letting them know like you know we we have uh we have these new like freshmen in congress who ran on medicare for all and want to see it happen but you know the the top brass you know the senior democrats we're not we're not going to let that happen don't worry about it
4: yeah that just goes back to highlight aoc's point about the fucking corruption in government because you know damn well the only reason that they're not letting that happen is because they're getting that money and dark money in packs and, you know, then they're going to legislate to help out the fucking dark money packs. And I'd like to know how much money do some of these people have invested, like, in the health insurance uh, markets themselves? You know, yeah. How, how many, like, in the stocks? Like, how how do they benefit or, I guess, not benefit from all, all of us getting health care? Right. Um,
5: and even in the article we read, there was, like, PowerPoint slides, and they were, like, the cost of having... Medicare um, for all. Um, what was it? Like stakeholders will lose money. Like, oh, so that's what we care about now. <laughs> Instead of, like ever being healthy and being able to survive.
0: A few rich people will be inconvenienced.
3: will be still rich, though, is what's important. Yeah. Those people yeah. will still be rich yeah. if they take a hit. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I. it seems like for, uh, from the, the PowerPoint uh, that, you know, their main goal is just going to be trying to improve – Obamacare trying to keep the you know private insurance model and you know a couple of things I talked about I'm sure you know would be helpful but that's still ultimately you just uh, from a structural point is just it's not a sustainable model right. and has to be rejected completely and but they don't want I mean that's they but they but they can't they do not want to private insurance I no. mean they want private insurance to still you know to, to donate to their campaigns and,
2: and well i mean the the debate between medicare for all versus um you know versus expanding and improving on obamacare is really the debate between technocracy and you know at, like a revolution you know because medicare for all is a revolution of the system as it exists it's an overhaul and they don't want that because they know they can't make as much money off of it yeah
4: it gets rid of the private insurance i mean I mean, to an extent, I mean, they would still exist, like, you know, like, it's, it's kind of like, uh, you know, everyone gets TV, but if you want HBO, you can go buy it, you know, like, people have private insurance, like, if you want to be bougie, you can go buy your private insurance, do it, but like, I mean, we should have a system that covers everyone with, I mean, and, you know, honestly, like, (laughs) you talk to, um, like, Canadians and they're like so close to us here in Michigan. Like, yeah, <laughs> we know, we know, like all of the things that we hear, like about, like you know, quote unquote, socialized medicine. Um, it's just bogus. Like in terms of like wait times, in terms of like price, and all of these things that they're trying to scare us into. Um, yeah, the vested interest just sucks.
0: Another big concern that I, that I hear a lot that I was mentioned was all of the. Jobs that are now in private insurance that, you know, that would be a large chunk of would be eliminated if you had Medicare for all. I think that obviously is a concern for people who are working, you know, for insurance companies, but I think we have to ask the question of these jobs, so many, so many of them are bullshit jobs. They're basically, you know, um, bureaucratic jobs that are, um, largely stemming from the fact that our insurance system and is so inefficient and requires all these, all these positions to, um, basically push paper. And the, you know, I mean, if you can't, Justify the you know th- th- these jobs? Then I mean we're gonna have to find other sectors of of you know employment for these people because like it, that's well, not an excuse.
2: Is a, is a thing? In fact, I think it's in uh, Senator Sanders' Medicare for All bill. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a section that outlines a plan for providing training and jobs for people who would be displaced, for workers who would be displaced within the health insurance industry to find them employment in ways that they can still. Uh, maintain a living in fact, I mean just look at the national health service in the u k it's one of the largest uh one of the largest employers in the entire country right there's still plenty of jobs to be had, still plenty of work to do
4: yeah federal yeah. jobs for the
0: union mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. and then I, one other part that I really liked was when they talked about um the idea of Medicare for all blowing up the deficit. Uh, you know, we're gonna increase the deficit. And there's still sadly these Democrats who are deficit hawks and are really, you know, concerned about the deficit and their discussion about um about how modern they talk a little bit about modern monetary theory, I'm not an expert on or anything like that, but I think it it, it it it's. it's I think we're it's gonna a, do a show about this. Uh, sometime. Okay, we should. Yeah, that'd be great because that is something that I, I you still hear a lot is oh well how are we gonna you know afford that that's gonna add too much to the deficit and it's not gonna be you know sustainable. But I mean of course you know you don't we don't ask those questions about military spending or. <laughs> or <whatever. laughs> yeah. but, but but even if that is a valid concern, like even if you know, even if um, we took all the spending into consideration, I, I think we have to start looking here. We can't keep it on this road of, um, Oh, we, we have to you do austerity harder. It's, you know, before we can do anything else, I think we, we need to do all these programs and then we can maybe look at ways, you know, to cut on the deficit, but that's way down the road. I mean, we got, we have a bunch of other things, mm-hmm. um, to do first. And the deficit is not the, is more of a boogeyman I think than else. I think. So,
2: too.
3: Yeah, I agree.
2: Well, you know, we, we can argue in favor of Medicare for all day. We can we can, you know, talk it up until we're blue in the face. But the the truth of the matter is that we're we're faced with a democratic leadership that is completely disconnected from their base. You know, like Medicare for All as a policy has the support of like 76% of Americans the last I checked, which includes Republicans. Like this is something that people want, but the Democrats are still in the pockets of big business and big insurance, and obviously they're not going to want to pass it because, you know, it'll hurt their chances of getting reelected if they don't get that money from them.
0: I think it yeah, I think this sort of leads to the discussion of you know, people versus money in politics and, you know, who has uh, who has the power. And I think right now, you know, it's there's a lot of powerful forces with a lot of money that are trying as hard as they can to prevent this from happening. But I think the political power of people who are, who are pushing this just continues to grow every day. And I think... These, you know, even, even if right now they're not willing to take it up, I mean, I think in the very near future, it'll be too hard for them to continue to um, to just put on the back burner. I mean, it's just, it's just not going to be, I, I can't see them, you know, they'll probably have these same meetings, you know, maybe two years from now, but I think there'll be a lot more. Uh, slides about Medicare for All uh, than just the few little bullet points they were talking about this time. It's not going to be... You won't hear this... The idea of this continued discussion of, oh, we just need to prove the ACA. That's probably going to start fading away, I think, because no one buys that bullshit, like, that that's going to work uh, except the people who were trying to sell it to everybody. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I think I think we're going to... I think we're just going to keep making progress on this.
2: Yeah. I mean we we have to. And in a related topic, uh just yesterday, uh AOC released the drafted resolution for creating the Green New Deal, which is a big deal. In fact, uh I mean it, it would be a complete overhaul, a complete revolutionization of how America produces energy, uh, how we handle lots and lots of different things, including you know transportation uh, it would effectively make uh, domestic air travel obsolete through use of high speed rail. Um, there are lots of like really really uh, really interesting and important ideas being put forth and this is a this is an idea like the Green New Deal as a whole package uh, does have the popular support of I think 80 percent of Americans. Um, including a lot, a lot of Republicans, like over 50% of Republicans. Um, and in an interview with Politico, um, Pelosi, uh, was kind of shitty about it saying, uh, it will, uh, it will be one of several or maybe many suggestions that we receive the, the green dream or whatever they call it. Nobody knows what it is, but they're for it. Right. Which just, again, shows like an absolute, uh, disconnect from what people want, and uh, actually pretty, pretty fucking disrespectful if you ask me, because yeah. she, she, she knows she so knows damn well what it's called. Yeah.
3: Like, weren't they just, wasn't what the Sunrise Movement, just protesting in her office? Yeah. And now you just
2: a, know a, what a fucking it is. sit-in in her office, yeah. Yeah. And all of a sudden, oh, what are they call the Green Dream or whatever?
3: It's like all good and well for Nancy Pelosi. She won't be dead in like 12 minutes. Like, it's <laughs> not okay for like the rest of us, you know, who are in our mid-20s and who have children. You know, like that's like really, it, it's just, it just goes back to that really pretentious smug, just the worst smug, self-assured leftist type of like just mentality. Like if I don't agree with it, then it must be wrong. And if I don't agree with it, it must be stupid. Mm-hmm. And if you agree with it, you're also uninformed and stupid. That's and like, is that really the narrative that you want to be pushing uh, to your constituents, especially uh, California? It just baffles me. Mm-hmm. It just baffles me. And in the article, they were uh, talking about how she's just like,
5: Pelosi is, you know, telling AOC, like, this is how we do it. Like, this is the order of things. And like, that's not what the American public wants either. Like, we elected her to get shit done and mm-hmm. not just follow the bureaucracy. Yeah.
0: I think that Nancy Pelosi and a lot of, I mean, so many Democrats, um, especially ones that have been around for a while, all have this sort of, view of political change is extremely incremental. Um, You only go for what you can get in the immediate short term. Um, The Green deal for them is crazy because it's so bold and it has all these really um, aggressive ideas that they that They just think uh, you know can't happen right now, and so there's no reason to talk about it. Let's just go for some low hanging fruit, and then that, right. uh, that will be the best method of change. And instead of you know, and, but uh, that method has obviously failed uh, over the last 30 years. it has been what all they've tried to do. And so setting this agenda, even if even if it doesn't you know even if we don't get to work out start working out right now. Um, is is key because we have to have some sort of template of what we need to do um and nancy pelosi doesn't have any actual plan
2: right exactly exactly and that's that's what that's what they're fucking hired to do you know Mm -hmm. i i was talking to michael you know just last night we're talking about you know we we as like the the ordinary citizenry it's not our job to figure out the details. Like, we know that these things are complicated. We know that there's a lot of, de- there are a lot of details to be worked out, but that's why we elect these people. We elect them to go in and fucking legislate and make this happen.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. And if you're going to criticize somebody else's bill to handle,
4: um, like a problem, I mean, in, in climate change, I mean, it's a very, very serious problem. Um, you damn well gotta have a plan of your own yeah what the uh, fuck
3: is the alternative what's your alternative like, like I don't understand
4: like die cause like, yeah, that's really literally. like where we're at right now I think
3: we're so oh my god I think for so long democrats have gotten away like democrats like Nancy Pelosi they've gotten um away for so long with kind of just turning their head away from the problem and being like mm everything is fine right now. I don't think that it's as serious as it is. And it's just kind of like, we're just getting closer and closer to this horrible, like irreversible, like damage. If we don't stop, But I think she's just got her head so far in the sand that she, she doesn't, she's too scared to take it out at this point. It's yeah. not just, she's scared. So she's putting it in. She's also just scared to like, take it out and be like, let's look at the facts. Like, let's look at what's going on. I know that I mean, I talked about um, Nancy Pelosi and just like her abstinence with dealing with climate change and it it, it it just blows my mind completely it's like that that scene in the office when michael just keeps driving towards that lake in his car and he's like they told me to go this way i'm going this way they told me to turn right and it's the lake and it's like she she's just gone so far now it's almost like she's like i just i just have to crash basically and you know and and like i said when we had this, when we were on the podcast with um, with Liano and, and Jeremy, I think that what it comes down to is Nancy Pelosi knows that if there was to be um, a lot of these, like, climate disasters, like, they're anticipating, like, scientists are anticipating, um, she's going to be fine. Yeah. And I think that that's what it comes down to. Well, I mean, she'll be
2: dead, is the thing. Like, but, it- but her
3: kids and her kids' kids... Those kids are gonna be fine. And they're gonna be like eating fucking orange
4: slices, like in the yeah, Like locker. the money life raft, basically. Yeah. When, yeah. Like essentially, like if like uh, if the climate change is happening in the Titanic, like the money is the life raft and uh, we're all fucked. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So,
3: I mean, it's scary. Like, you know, what are we gonna do? What, yeah. Scientists for so long have been trying to find these alternatives, but I think that they also kind of thought that we were just going to take uh, climate change more seriously. We I mean, just fucking, they, we just haven't. Like, you know, the American people haven't. And it's not up to us in this room. I mean, I know, I'm positive that we all fucking recycle in this, you know, in this house right now, and, like, I know that everyone is doing what they can to try to reduce our, like, our, like, little tiny carbon footprint, but that is, like, comparing, like, the footprint of, like, a mosquito to yeah, one of Yeah,
4: it's, ours, like, 70% it is, it's yeah. produced by 100 companies, so it's, like, yeah. that, like, the, the idea that, like, individual actions are the cause of climate change and not these, like, huge fucking corporations is just a lie.
3: And not just American corporations. I mean, we have oh, to yeah, like, hold accountable the other global corporations who are doing this, like the meat, the industrialized meat industry that we see in Brazil that is literally killing protesters and they're killing the dissent that's happening in these countries. We don't care about it because they are... Majority brown people who are protesting it, and because it's happening out of majority black and brown countries, but American companies are benefiting off of it. Mm-hmm. Those are making a bigger impact than us maybe throwing away a Yoplait jar instead of recycling it.
2: And this this ties directly into the to the final topic that I wanted to I wanted to go over today. Uh, there's a piece uh, just published in Jacobin magazine uh, earlier this week by uh, Kate Aronoff. And it, presents, it it outlines the case for an idea that I'm I'm very excited about one that's well, we're not going to go anywhere with it anytime soon, but it's still a great idea. The piece is titled "It's Time to Try Fossil Fuel Executives for Crimes Against Humanity," which I'm all for. <laughs> I think I think it's a wonderful idea. Um, and th- so, like, just just to outline this case, um, as Zach touched on, uh, just 100 fossil fuel producers, uh, including privately held and state-owned companies, have been responsible for 71% of the greenhouse gas emissions released since 1988. Um, An independent report commissioned by 20 governments in 2012 found that climate impacts are already causing an estimated 400,000 deaths per year. Um, and just to quote the article, uh, counting a wider range of casualties attributed to burning fossil fuels, air pollution, indoor smoke, occupational hazards, and skin cancer, that figure jumps to nearly 5 million a year. By 2030, annually, uh, annual climate and carbon-related deaths are expected to reach nearly 6 million. That's the rough equivalent of one Holocaust every year. Which in just a few short years could surpass the total number of people killed in World War II, all caused by the fossil fuel industry.
3: It's one of those things that's, that is so terrifying to consider and not and I, I don't I, I feel like when I say this, sometimes people think that I'm kind of being, I don't know like condescending, but like as a parent, it is very terrifying to think that there is going to come a point in my life where there is going to be nothing else that I can do to protect. My daughter, or any of the other children that I have, again.
4: But we have people in our generation like questioning whether they should have children. That is a question that runs through their mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, we, like we have the fact that that's a question in 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 your mind when making that determination is just insane.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's I I a hundred percent think that they should be they should be tried again for crimes against humanity a hundred percent. And it's not and not just the fossil fuel industry. I think that yes, this is. I mean. 100% they should be. Um, but there are so many other industries that kind of just, like, fly below the radar that are mm-hmm. doing so much harm to their communities. Agribusiness
2: is one of them. Yeah. yeah. Carbon-related
4: industries, really. Because, I mean, when it comes down to it, like, the, that is a very um, like, the fact that, you know, like, how produce a lot of methane, the fact that they have to, like, cut down so many trees, like, that does contribute to climate change. And then, like, um, I think you were, you know, getting at this, the fact that climate change is, um, definitely like a a racial issue in in terms of like you know the the people that are the most affected by this pollution this dirty like um thing are like the most vulnerable i mean Michigan and we had the just a a week ago, there was the Marathon Factory down there was, like, burning, and they were just, like, letting off fumes for, like, a solid day, just, like, poisoning people, and, you know, of course, that happens in where Detroit, and, like, they build the Marathon Factory where in Detroit, and it's, like, they have homes, like, right next to that building.
3: Right. Yeah, it's scary. It's, like, when you consider, like, the, um, the big plastic, um, business that they have in Corpus Christi, all those people who live in Corpus Christi, Texas, that live, um, near or just in the city, but like near that factory where they're producing all this plastic, like we don't have enough of it produced already. Um, they're all horribly sick, you know, and they've got these diseases and they've got these cancers and they're directly related to the pollution from the factory from from making plastic. And it's just something that people don't really know about. And it's something that I, I think that people don't care about um, who aren't affected by that. And so, you know, then the question is then how do we get people who aren't affected by this to care about it? I mean, people cared a lot about the children in Flint and the people in Flint who are affected by, and are still, still to this day affected by um, the lead in the water. But how do we actually get that change? Who is going to give us the $6 million, just the $6 million that so many people have, to just change it? How do we get people in in politics who are, are supposed to be helping us? How do we get them to shut these plans down to offer alternatives to the working class people who are in these you know these meat businesses, the ag industrial agro business? Where are the alternatives? Where are the solutions so that we are not only not getting sick, but people are still affording you know t- to live or still being able to pay their rent? Who has those answers? I think everyone has those answers. We could all
4: come up with them right now. Mm-hmm. They it exist. It's just a matter of um, it not being profitable for you know the very wealthy and elite that have dominated industries for so long that like any idea of innovation to preserve the planet or anything like
2: that is just not. Why bother? It's not broke, don't fix it. And It's not broke for them.
3: Right. Yeah.
2: I I think I mean we we know the answers to these questions. We know how to tackle these problems. You know, we have to nationalize the, the energy industry. We have to divest from fossil fuels immediately. We have to rein in the way that, uh, you know, factory farming is done or just get rid of it entirely. Mm-hmm. You know, like, we, we have the answers to these questions. It's just we need the details and the legislation to be worked out. Mm-hmm. And very few people, you know, in in Congress, in government, have the have the fucking courage to get up and you know push for these for these types of changes
4: yeah i'm glad to see some of the people that have signed on with the green new deal and you're asking you're talking about the people in Flint. you know part of the green new deal is pipes mm-hmm. and in water infrastructure yeah and the fact that dan kilby has not signed on to something that provides pipes in flint is just like what are you doing
2: mm-hmm. like are you do you care about who's your people?
3: pulling the strings yeah that's the real
2: question Right, because right now we are we are facing down the barrel of like the wholesale breakdown and catastrophic failure of organized human civilization. <laughs> and that, I mean, that's why you know I I mean I've been thinking pretty seriously for a long time. I don't think I don't think I'm gonna have kids because I I don't want to bring people into in into a world where they're going to have to face that
3: or that you're going to have to. You're going to have to deal with making, like, really hard decisions for not only yourself, but for the people that look up to you to take care of them. Yeah. I won't be able to provide, like, you, will I be able to provide a future for my daughter until she's 25 like my mom has been able to do for me? Mm-hmm. You know, how long is my daughter going to be able to, to swim at, like, Oval Beach and Saugatog at Petwater? Water? How long are we going to have the opportunity to do that before Nestle fucks it up, before fracking fucks it up, before pipelines, you know? fuck it up.
2: Yeah, the last kid to see an elephant, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, here's the thing. We definitely need more direct action, right? We need more people rallying around this issue. The One of the main obstacles to that, though, is that so many people don't have the fucking time or energy yes, to do it yes. because we live in a fucked-up capitalist society where people's basic material needs are not being met, you know, and that's why it's important that we continue to push for other things like Medicare for All, like Um, for giving student loans like affordable housing. Uh, So that way, you know, people have stable lives under which, you know, under which they can actually go out and rally around issues like like climate change, like the Green New Deal, like trying to tackle this massive, massive problem, because this is a I mean, this this is a global issue, and it requires global solutions.
4: Yeah, I mean, part of that is uh, you look at, like, uh, Yellow Vest, you know, they have some of the social safety nets that you're talking about, mm-hmm. they're able to go out there and, and, and voice their opinions about some of these more complex issues in larger numbers,
3: Yeah,
5: and we
4: just can't, like, it's harder for us to do that. I mean, there's lots of obstacles, too. I mean, also, we go out in the streets, it's not quite like France, the cops are going to shoot us, they're gonna <laughs> yeah. beat us. They are not going to just be like standing there (laughs) it's very
3: yeah it's very romantic when you think of like what the people in france are able to do Like they're able to fight for their lives and not risk their lives while they're doing it you know Mm -hmm. what i mean like we're gonna go out here and we're gonna protest um and i know that the police isn't gonna like shoot me in the temple with a fucking rubber bullet you know what i mean um and it's like you know oh there's a chance that when we go out there the cops are gonna like Link arms with us and seeing like fucking La Marseillaise and shit like that, and it's like it's a it's a very romantic thing and it's just like a way of life. Like the French, they, they fucking protests, mm-hmm. they riot. It's like the language, it's like the French language, and it's beautiful. And it's like <laughs> there are so many horrible things happening in the United States, and you can't get people to show up for rallies like here. And th- there are like you know there are like circumstances that prevent people from doing that, but it's like God, I. Wish I could just throw a fucking vest on and I'll be like, "Y'all go to the rally." Like, well, you know, come here. We'll make coffee. We'll go out and we'll fuck shit up, and we're not gonna get arrested.
2: <laughs> you know, it's awesome. Was there anything else uh, we wanted to go over? Anything? Anything else? Anyone else wanted to say? Talking about Cardi B. <laughs> what?
3: Didn't talk about Cardi B. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah.
3: She's doing more. She's doing more for Democrats than Anse Pelosi I'll say
4: that. <laughs> you
3: guys are true. fucking laughing and you know it's
4: fucking true. It is true. That bitch, laughing because it's true. Yeah. That
3: bitch is gonna end up beating the shit out of his head. Uh, what is her name? I've heard so many jokes about that bitch's name. I can't remember what the
0: to name it. Tommy. Tommy. Tommy Warren.
3: Tommy. <laughs> But, yeah, yeah.
0: Tanya. You tell Tanya. me what that is I've heard like Tori I've
3: heard so many things they're all accurate <laughs> this is, these are actually like legally all her names. <laughs> 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 but yeah she. I mean Nancy Pelosi hasn't ever like clapped sarcastically at
2: the <laughs> apparently it wasn't even sarcastic
3: yeah I saw the video and I was like it looks like she's holding in a fart you know that emo- <laughs> <laughs> you know that emoji and it's like that emoji that they have that's basically the face she was making. It's uh, like is this supposed to like is this supposed to like encourage me to like I don't know, like graffiti places and stuff like that? It doesn't. That's stupid face.
4: Yeah. And it seemed like the liberals like they're like, Oh yeah, she's doing a sarcastically and then yeah, she had, like that interview. And she's like, No, I wasn't and like Ooh, yeah, i chess.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> or like that, that meme that was it. like she could have just she like, like she yeah the people were like congratulating her on and she could have just like gone with it like yeah that's what I meant but that she like admits that like she wasn't that wasn't her intention.
2: No, You're I like, really just don't like socialism. There, there was that there was that meme. I don't know if you guys saw it, but like there's this meme that's <laughs> like it was talking about how you know Pelosi's aide like is talking to like insurance executives and like liberals crickets and then like Pelosi does like the sarcastic clap towards Trump liberals yes queen yeah. <laughs>
3: it's so frustrating on like, fucking liberals like you can do anything that might be like a little like revolutionary and like they just that you're like literally the reincarnation of like Malcolm X or something like that It's just, it baffles me what people are getting applauded for nowadays. You're getting applauded for applauding a fucking fascist and people are losing their shit about it.
4: (laughs) Because it's sarcastic. (laughs) Because
3: it's, oh, sarcastic. So she had indigestion, that's why the fuck she's making that face. She's old as shit. It's past her bedtime. (laughs) Like, she's not being sarcastic. And I hope Nancy Pelosi hears
0: this shit. Send this to Nancy (laughs) (laughs) Pelosi. Yeah, I'll send it directly to her office
2: Once, uh, once I upload it perfect Um, yeah I think uh, yeah I gotta
4: go home and do my makeup last couple minutes yeah so it's the green new deal
2: (laughs) not the green new dream yeah alright so I think we're gonna end it there um but uh yeah, well, thanks for listening, everyone. Once again, uh, if you, you, know, you can find us on Facebook at Michigan Progressive. If you like our show and you want to give us your money, uh, you can find us at Patreon.com slash Michigan Progressive. I'm Benjamin Klawn. Um, thanks from uh, Allie and Melina, Ross, and Zach. We'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.